Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. That's me. That's you. <laughs> Hello, Keith. Getting excited for uh, Thanksgiving? Oh, my goodness. Love Thanksgiving. You... I'm very excited. It's Thanksgiving in America this week. Uh, are you cooking? It's oh, a big, yeah. It's a big cooking holiday here in the U.S. Yeah. We actually have a pretty small crew coming to the house, but I'm still cooking like the full spread as if like 20 people were coming over. <laughs> but are there other people that are at least helping with dishes? Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, we have a very potluck situation. But oh, good. But you're still in charge of the turkey. Husband's in charge of the turkey. Okay. Uh, I'm in charge of like... 10 dishes that I assign myself, and oh, then everybody else does other Because things. you like it easy, <laughs> you know. Um, well, uh, the the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and turkey on mm-hmm. Billboard's weekly charts. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, we've got an interview with the one and only Sarah McLaughlin. The singer and songwriter called in to chat about her new holiday album, Wonderland, and how she'll be performing on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's a Thanksgiving show! Thanksgiving show! (laughs) So stick around for that later on. Plus, we've got a chart chat about a new number one album on the Billboard 200 Albums chart from A Tribe Called Quest, and how Metallica, Bruno Mars, and Miranda Lambert are all headed for the top of the chart next week. And could Side to Side become the first number one single for both Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj on the Billboard Hot 100? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) We shall see. So uh, stay tuned for all that later on. But first... Before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, why don't you subscribe to us? Why don't you? <laughs> Just go to iTunes. Just do it. Click the button. It's easy. So easy. It's so easy to subscribe to podcasts. <laughs> it's so easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you can like give us a rating. You can give us a review. You know, tell us what you think. You could tweet us. You know, I'm Keith underscore Caulfield, and she's KT Atkinson. And you know, if you if you want to like find out about more of the podcasts that billboard does you can go to itunes.com slash billboard podcast so many options see how i switched that up yes i really changed it up this week (laughs) it's very spontaneous very spontaneous i'm just flipping the script (laughs) um so let's talk about the billboard 200 uh we talked about it last week how uh, a tribe called quest was headed for number one and indeed they did it uh a tribe called quest's Uh, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, and it's their first number one album in more than 20 years. The new album, which is called We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service, starts at number one with 134,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending November 17th, according to Nielsen Music. Of that sum, 112,000 were in traditional album sales. Uh, the last time A Tribe Called Quest was number one, way back in August of 1996, when Beats, Rhymes, and Life uh, spent one week at number one. 
Now, would you believe, well, it's probably actually kind of easy to believe, mm. that is the longest gap between number ones for a hip-hop act in the history of the chart. Well, I would believe that. Yeah. Because hip-hop is a young genre. Yes, exactly. In general, and it's kind of a young man's game in general exactly. as well. You don't find many rappers over, say, the age of, you know, 30. Yeah. It's, uh, you know... Jay Z's still just rocking it though. Jay Z defied Jay Z. Well, Jay Z. Jay Z to me is the equivalent of like, you know, he is going to be like a George Strait of rap. <laughs> well, no, there's certain. No one has ever said that before. That's why it's great. I love it. Well, George Strait <laughs> is still like you know getting hits and huge albums, yes. and he's been around since the just early eighties. Consistent. He's like, well, he's like George is the king of country, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jay Z is like the king of hip hop, right? And he has been the king of hip hop for an incredibly long time. Mm-hmm. He's just he like there's the rest of hip hop, and then there's Jay Z mm-hmm. like sort of in his own like league. Yeah, yeah. So certain artists defy the general odds of yeah. you know age limitations yes. in the genre and that's Jay-Z but yeah I mean hip hop I mean also this album has a lot of unique circumstances around it mm-hmm. um, one of Tribe Hall Quest members Five Dog passed away earlier this year this album as Katie pointed out last week on the show was uh, cobbled together from existing Five Dog uh, raps as well as some new material that they had been working on together for a little while it also features some new people it features Kendrick Lamar Busta Rhymes so there's there's some like you know notable guests on there as well, and it came out you know at a very sort of turbulent time in our culture, and, and it directly addresses it too. Yes, yeah. so you know all and those SNL. things and SNL. Yeah, they performed on SNL the, the week after the election. Uh, by the way, did you hear about the election? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. I didn't hear the results yet. You haven't. I haven't. I haven't uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> I, I won't tell you. Boy, it's exciting. Um, uh, some other fun stats about this. I wrote about this for my story on Sunday. The very first rap album to be number one was the Beastie Boys' License to Ill back in uh, 1987. March of 1987. The tenth number one rap album was actually the Beastie Boys again, Ill Communication, mm. in 1994, and the twentieth hip hop album to be number one was actually Beats Rhyme in Life. Oh wow! Uh, by a Tribe Called Quest. Uh, funny, like in 1996, that was only our twentieth rap album that had been number yeah, one. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like for like the for the first couple of years, it was like Beastie Boys and then nobody mm-hmm. until we get to like Tone Loke. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Funky Cold Medina. Loked, loked after dark. Loked. Loked. Uh, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice. Please hammer, don't hurt them. Yeah. Uh, to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up the stage, watch it up like a candle. Dance. <laughs> Deadly. Anything less than a Yeah. Whoa. Okay. We're going to stop that now. <clears throat> um, uh, you might be wondering, what is the longest gap period between number one albums? Well... Okay, so I remember... And, and since you haven't actually read my story... You, I actually don't know. Yeah, you don't know. But I but I do remember there us doing a story when um, Niall Rogers and Sheik had a big gap. What was that one? That was earlier... Like, was that this year or last year? Well, that might have been something else because Sheik's never had a number one album. Oh, okay. It must have been something different then. This is just on the Billboard 200. Okay, so... I'll just tell you. Yes, please do. Um, the longest gap between number ones among all acts, mm-hmm. living or dead... Mm-hmm was actually Ray Charles. He spent, uh, there was a 42-year wait between, yeah, 
between Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music in 1962 and Genius Loves Company in 2005. Uh, the longest gap for living artists mm-hmm. uh, is actually uh, 30 years, uh, 30 years and six months for Bob Dylan. Okay. Between Desire in 1976 and Modern Times in 2006. Wow. Yeah, this is what I spent some of my Sunday on, <laughs> researching all these things. Yeah, that's that's uh, some serious research. That was fun. Um, <laughs> next week on the Billboard 200, it's looking like we got three big albums that are all headed for big debuts. Three albums that really, truly, if they had come out in pretty much any other week, they all would have been number one. But since they all decided to go up against one another... This always happens in November. It's that time. I remember last year it was One Direction versus Bieber. Oh, man. That, that was, was the just... same week. But it's just, it's a coveted week. It's going into that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving shopping. You're going into that, that corridor where, you, like, the next, like, three or four weeks where, like, these are going to be the busiest days or the busiest shopping days of the year where you're guaranteed sales. Yeah. And traditionally, like... Just put out anything, and it, it might sell. Yeah. Um, so next week's number one album looks like, according to industry forecasters, will be Metallica's Hardwired to Self-Destruct. It's their first album in, oh my god, forever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I, it's their first studio album in a very long time. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Um, it could earn around maybe 290 to 300,000 equivalent album units. And of that, 280 or 290 might be in pure sales. Uh, Bruno Mars's new album, 24 Karat Magic, might do around, say, 200-ish in uh, total uh, units. 200,000, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Miranda Lambert's new The Weight of These Wings. It's a double album, right, Katie? Correct. Yeah. Um, wings, because there's two wings, so it's two discs. <laughs> yeah, Probably go. not. Um, I've only listened to it on streaming, so I haven't seen these wings in person. <laughs> oh. um, it could do like around 140-ish uh, thousand. All very good debuts. Yeah. Um, and again, any other week, they could have had their own lane and been number one. But, you know. This is what happens. This is what happens. <laughs> um, over on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, Black Beatles by Ray Schroeder is still number one. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, by a mile. I mean, like, about three country miles. A mannequin challenge mile. Yeah. It's <laughs> no one. I mean, I mean, in, if the song could collapse, you know, rapidly. But, I mean, it's just, it's so far ahead. Yeah. Like, it's, but then again, who knows? We'll see. Um, The big exciting news, actually, is probably how Side to Side from Ariana Grande, uh, featuring Nicki Minaj, jumps into the top five for the first time. It goes seven to four, I believe, Mm -hmm. is the jump. Uh, It's up, actually, 10% in points. It's still quite a bit of ways from the top three. Okay. Let's 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 be honest. We're Which not... is Chainsmokers closer at number two and Starboy and Starboy at number three. At number three. Like um, uh, Race Trimmer at number one is a, a, a really far away from two and three, and then two and three are about even. Mm. So that that could flip next week. Starboy could go to number two, but um, Ariana and Nikki are still kind of a little bit as away, a little bit a ways away from two and well, three. Well, the AMA performance can't hurt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Katie and I, as you guys heard last week, we were at the uh, we were planning on being at the AMAs, and we were. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not talk to Ariana or Nikki. No, no. They, even though Ariana won Artist of the Year, she did not come back to take photos after that moment. So no, unfortunately, poor Keith and Katie did not get to see her. Nope, we didn't. <laughs> not this year. But um, the fact that Side to Side rises uh, to a new peak, number four, it made us wonder: could this be 
you know, perhaps the first number one for both Ariana and Nikki. Because surprisingly, neither of them have ever had a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, I think a lot of people would assume that both of them did. And maybe even would assume that it was Bang Bang, the song that they were both on previously together. Well, generally, the two of them together is magical. Yes. Um, I love them together. Like, love. I just think that they're sassy and amazing. (laughs) I I think... um, well, we talked about this before, and we. Yes. I think. I think. Um, I think they actually are like sassy, fun friends, kindred spirits. Yeah, and and they're like the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, like they work great together. And yes, it's like it's just fun seeing them together. I agree. Um, so who knows? Maybe this magic combination will finally lift them to number one. Um, Ariana has had actually eight top tens, including uh, side to side. Her highest charting single is "Problem." which reached number two. And Nikki has had 13 top tens. Wow. Um, and she's gone as high as number two with Anaconda. Man, both stuck at number two. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I happens. mean, it's really Anaconda. I mean, you really, like, I, I forget what was in front of Anaconda, but, man, that song was such a pop culture moment. Yes. Especially with the video. Yes. Um, elsewhere on the Billboard Hot 100, Leonard Cohen, the late Leonard Cohen finally debuts his own original version of Hallelujah at number 59. Uh, It's actually the ninth version of the song to chart. Uh, All the other previous versions were covers of Hallelujah, believe it or not. And the song only reaches the Hot 100 after Cohen's death on November 7th. However, it was not announced until November 10th. So it's nice to see Leonard Cohen on the Hot 100 finally. Well, with and Hallelujah. it happens to be that one of those covers is Pentatonix's cover of Hallelujah, which is currently on the Hot 100. Yeah, it's actually higher than Leonard it Cohen's is. own it version, is. which is oh so ironic. Yeah, um, um, it's just but that just proves to you know proves to folks like sort of the power of the enduring the song. power of that song. Yeah. yeah. So Pentatonix is at 56 yeah. on this week's Hot 100. Um, Pentatonix's uh, version is actually from their new Christmas album, mm-hmm. which also happens to be number two on the Billboard 200 this yes. week, by the way. And people, people meaning industry people, think that it insiders. has... Insiders think that it has a has a decent shot at going to number one before the end of the year. We shall see. We shall see. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so much is up in the air from this episode. Could it be number one? Could it Might be? Might it be? Oh my God, we like to ask questions. <laughs> um, well, let's move on to our guest interview with the fabulous Sarah McLaughlin. The three-time Grammy Award winner's new holiday album, which is her second holiday album, believe it or not. It's called Wonderland, and it's out now. She talks about her love of Christmas music in our little chat and how she got Emmylou Harris and Martha Rainwright to join her on the album. Oh, I can only imagine those three voices Uh, all on one album. Oh, it's heavenly. It sounds so great. Um, plus, we chat a bit about how she'll be performing on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I quiz her about if she gets to pick the float she'll be on <laughs> and if she gets any fabulous swag afterwards. You might be surprised at her answers. I know I was. So here's our interview with Sarah McLaughlin. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> how are you? Thank you. I'm fantastic. 
Multitasking. People listening to this, uh, they will not know the uh, links that we went to to make this conversation happen. So I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to make this work. Um, oh, no problem. Um, well, let's talk about the new album, Wonderland, uh, which is your second holiday effort following 2006's Winter Song. Um, I'm assuming you must be a pretty big fan of the holidays because now you've done two Christmas albums, right? <laughs> I am a serious fan of Christmas. Yeah, it's my favorite time of year. I really, um, I get into it big time. I have, I have an insane amount of decorations. Um, my kids are really into it. We love singing carols. We have, I have an open house every 24th and all the stragglers and friends and family come around and we have a big potluck and we all sing Christmas carols and, for me, any opportunity um, to get up there and be merry and sing is, is great. And, um, you know, Christmas sort of, it inspires and encourages that behavior, which I love. I'm, I'm guessing you're the type of person that actually starts playing Christmas music in October each year. Am I right? Well, I start singing it. I don't necessarily start playing it. Funnily enough, I, I don't play a lot of music in my house. I'm just, it's always in my head, so I'm, I'm always singing. And both my daughters now in particular, um, you know, that they're, hugely into music and so there's always you know competing music happening in <laughs> various rooms of the house so it's a bit of a den actually um so but you know when, when i was growing up it was always harry belafonte's christmas record I think it's 1972 um and i remember you know i just have such great memories of uh sitting around the christmas tree and, and i would always take apart all the decorations because my my great aunt Ruth had made a whole bunch of little dolls for the tree, and so because I was, my mom was a feminist, so I was not having dolls as a kid. But somehow the decorations were okay, so I got to play with those, and I would play with them for hours and build houses and and villages, and so I have a lot of great memories of that. Oh wow! Um, you know, when I was listening to the album, I really loved the cover of "Go Tell It on the Mountain," and it was so fabulous to hear you with with Emmylou Harris and Martha Wainwright on the track. Um, you know, I think, well, one, I have a couple questions about this song. Uh, how did you get Emily and Martha on the track? Are you? I'm assuming that you're just friends with them, and you called them up and said, hey, you want to do this? And they said, sure, why not? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Martha was easier because she's actually she's in Montreal at the time, and uh, and she's good friends with Pierre, um, my producer. And so, obviously, when you're, when you're doing gang vocals and trying to get a bunch of different people uh, to sing, it's like, okay, who's in town? Who can we call? <laughs> Who's going to say yes? And uh, Martha was there in she was game, which was great. And Hackman and Run, were, um, they ended up on five tracks. We did quite a bit of recording together. And uh, they're a Montreal-based band, and they're just fantastic. And Andy and I go way back, uh, God, 15, 20 years. So um, that was just really lovely to hear her voice. We, we've had the opportunity to sing together on a bunch of occasions, so it's nice to be able to do that. Um, and the song, you know, doesn't usually strike the average person as a holiday song. Um, do, does it mean something to you specifically um, as like a Christmassy song? Does it does it does it mean something more to you, uh, be, you know, from your childhood or from no, your family? No, you know, when 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 putting together this record, I, I you know, I, the first one was challenging enough uh, because even though I do love Christmas songs and I sing Christmas music all the time how I would lend my voice to it and then create something new because these songs have been done so many ways by so many artists, you know, that was a challenge. And um, it was even harder this time. And I, I wanted to not only do obvious Christmas songs, but choose some songs that weren't necessarily um, 
about Christmas, but more about the feeling of it or the spirituality of it. And I think Go Tell It on the Mountain here is more of a, it's a spiritual, right? So um, I think it just, it, it, it's in keeping with the same kind of vibe, but it also has its, its totally own thing. And I think, you know, it, it really it was like, oh, we can do gang vocals on this and, and have it almost a cappella, and that'll be so much fun. And I sort of, at that point, I think I forgot I was doing a Christmas record. <laughs> I was just like, what's, what's a great song to do? Wow, I get to cover anything I want, and, and this would be perfect. Same with Snow. I mean, that's not the Randy Newman song. That's not a Christmas song, but it's wonderfully depressing. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I say that lovingly and jokingly, but, you know, Christmas is a tough time for some people, and I think that there's... Um, there's such beauty in that that sort of loneliness and sadness. The same way that you know Joni Mitchell's River it really epitomized that. And again, not a Christmas song yet. It has a reference to Christmas in it. And I just wanted to you know do a cross section of music that wasn't such obvious choices, I guess. Yeah. And, and I really like the um, the coupling of Go Tell It on the Mountain and Away in a Manger on the album where they're next to one mm. another. And when I was listening yeah. to Away in a Manger, I was like, I feel very comforted. It felt very warm. And I was like, I really like this. This makes me feel good right now. I kind of need this right now. So, oh, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Good. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, well, I have to ask you about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is coming up here in a few days. Now, you've done the parade before, so I'm assuming this was an easy yes for you to say you know, yes to in 2016, right? Oh, you're kidding? Absolutely. I mean, we watch it every year, so it's like, I get to be in that? My kids are so excited. They're actually quite seen off of me. They don't actually get to come and, <laughs> and watch it, but they're in school. I mean, it's, you know, it's American Thanksgiving, but we've, uh, we don't celebrate it up here in Canada, so they're in school. I was going <laughs> to ask, you know, as a Canadian, I'm like, well, you already have a Thanksgiving, which is a different kind of Thanksgiving. It's more of a harvest festival. Do you, do you kind mm -hmm. of celebrate both anyways, even though you're Canadian? Absolutely. Any opportunity to have a turkey dinner. I'm like, more pumpkin pie, as much as you can have. More pumpkin pie, more stuffing, bring it on. Um, <laughs> do you get to pick the float that you're on, or do you have an opinion about it? Like, do you get to have any say whatsoever in which p float you get to appear on? I've, o I've always been curious about that, truly. Oh, you know what? Um, I, I didn't even think about that. I was just told I was going to be in it, and that was enough for me. You just show up. It's <laughs> like, so I'm which like, float I'll am I on? Just tell me, yeah, tell me, tell me where to stand. Um, and I'll stand there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That, that's actually a really interesting question. I probably should have figured that one out. But um, I know there's children. I know there's a children's choir that's going to be on it with me, which is really fun. Oh, that that'll be great. I mean, and, yeah. I, but and and you're not. And then and this, I swear, will be the last question about the parade. But it's one of those things where we all everyone watches it everywhere every year, and you always wonder, you know, all the stuff that goes into it. Do, when we see you on TV, it's literally, you're only on the float for like that five minutes. Like you're not on it the entire duration of the parade, are you? No, I think what they do is they, they, um, they you go to your corner, whatever street corner that you're going to be getting on your float, because of course they move quite slowly, and they, 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 they put you on it, and they set you up and go, okay, you're going to be on in about three minutes, so prepare yourself, and, and then I think, you know, when you go around the corner, oh, there's the TV cameras, and the song starts, and you start singing. See. And then five minutes later, yeah, you're basically pulled off the thing and put back into your car and sent off to the next thing. And then do, do you get to, like, have a fabulous reception inside Macy's and they give you, you know, a gift bag? Or is it just, like, literally, like, nope, we're stopping in for half an hour and we're getting the heck out of there. Gosh, that'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to get that. <laughs> we, we should make that happen, Macy's. Damn gift bag. Yeah. Let's get on that. 
Um, Here's my Macy's Day card, yeah. Yes, they can give you a gift card. That would be lovely. Yeah. How about that? Wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, I... I uh, have never had the opportunity to speak to you until now, so this was such a delight because I've been a fan of yours for years and I've always enjoyed your music. And oh, I, you. I hope people go and listen to your new album, uh, Wonderland. And uh, hopefully, uh, I mean, are you going to do more dates? I know you toured with Josh this past year. Are you going to try to do some more dates hopefully in the future? Is that even in the um, thought process? You know, I, I, well, you know, because I, I spent most of my winter last year making the Christmas record and I toured uh, all summer and I'm, I'm doing a bunch of one-offs this fall. Basically, I've got the promotion of the Christmas record. Yeah. Um, I need to write a new one. So yeah. that's what's going to happen next yeah. year. Come on, let's work on that. Get on that. <laughs> I know, and yeah, there's that, and there's, you know, I've got a reno to do. <laughs> You're busy. You're a little busy. I'm busy. I have a school to run. I have two, two daughters, yeah, so I've got, I've got a lot of balls up in the air, but it's fun and exciting. Well, you're not boring. That's for sure. Exactly. You're an expert juggler, clearly. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. And I promised that I wouldn't take more than 10 minutes. And I think we're at 10 minutes. So I I feel bad already. Oh, good heavens. Don't feel bad. Thank you for the interview. Well, have a lovely uh, holiday season and uh, have fun at the parade on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Thank you. I will. I'm so excited for a big turkey dinner afterwards. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been great. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye, Keith. Thank you again, Sarah. Uh, Wonderland is out now and features Sarah's renditions of classics like Let It Snow, White Christmas, and Winter Wonderland. And make sure to watch her perform on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which will air on NBC at 9 a.m. this Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Uh, also performing, by the way, on uh, the parade. Uh, a whole mess of people. A whole mess of people. Uh, Brett Eldridge. Uh, uh, Dea. Dea. Uh, yes, former podcast. Yes. Friend of the podcast. Fitz Dea. and the Tantrums. For, uh, friend also. of the podcast. Fitz and the Tantrums. Kelsey Ballerini. Maddie and Tay. The Muppets. Tony Bennett. Grace Vanderwall. Yeah. Who whole... has, she has a, a project coming out next, like an EP coming out in December. Oh, that's right. From America's uh, Got Talent. Yes. Oh, America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. I thought she was in The Voice. I spaced out. Well, now it's time for our chart stat of the week. Okay. <laughs> now, in the normal spot in of the, the show. Yes. <laughs> You're not tricking me with it this time. Well, when I was perusing some of Sarah McLaughlin's chart history, I was reminded that she charted some hits on our Dance Club Songs chart. Believe it or not. And that's not a chart that you expect to see Sarah McLaughlin on. No. Um, in fact, she's had five top ten songs on that tally, including the number one, Silence 2004, with Delirium. I 100% remember that. See? Remix, yes. So um, I thought I would look at some other unlikely chart appearances. Yes. Uh, Cher and Stevie Nicks both charted on the Hot Country Songs chart. Uh, Cher with It's Too Late to Love Me Now in 1979. It reached to number 87 back when the chart was, I think, 100 positions deep. Okay. Believe it or not. And Stevie Nicks uh, hit the chart with After the Glitter Fades from her Belladonna album back in 1982, and it reached number 70. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Madonna, who you think of as the queen of pop, uh, notched 15 hits on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, including one top 10, Like a Virgin. Wow, that was classified as R&B at the time? Yeah, well, a lot of R&B radio stations would uh, play her songs. Wow. Yeah. 
Robert Downey Jr., the actor, of course, uh, from Iron Man, has charted on our adult contemporary chart with a song called Man Like Me. It reached number 39. Well, uh, you know, he was at the AMAs last night, and he introduced Sting for mm-hmm. his, uh, was it, I'm not sure exactly what that was called, The uh, his award? Yep. Okay, podcast guesting. Um, and they they introduced it with a little clip of Robert Downey Jr. and Sting singing together on stage. It was a video that went viral oh. a few uh, years back. And, yeah, so he has a lovely voice, Robert Downey Jr. Well, this is from his, uh, I believe it was classified as his debut studio album called The Futurist back in 2004. Um, another actor, of course, Anna Kendrick, who we know from Pitch Perfect, had a number one hit on the adult contemporary chart with cups from the movie Pitch Perfect. Uh, which also reached number six on the Billboard Hot 100. So she spoke about that on Fresh Air, actually on NPR. Oh, really? And she was just saying how she felt sort of guilty that like all these artists who like are like trying their whole life to like get a number one hit, and she just like does this dumb you know cup choreography in a movie, and all of a sudden it's just like number one. She was like, it just seems wrong. <laughs> it's funny how hits work. Indeed, lots of flukes. Um, so there you have it. Just a few fun and surprising chart appearances to ponder. From Sarah McLaughlin on the dance floor to share on the country chart. All right. So I think that's the end of our show. All right. Um, hope everyone has a lovely Thanksgiving if you celebrate the holiday. And uh, any parting words here, Katie? Well, it feels like uh, one of these crazy songs we should go out on because I don't know all of these. Like, you know, share country. I don't know, for instance. What's, yeah. What would be a good one? Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that Cher song either. Well, should, then. Should we go out <laughs> we're on We're about to get familiar with it. Well, we'll hear Cher's It's Too Late to Love Me Now, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.